Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Sweet Point Setter Tales podcast. I'm your host, Wade Kisner. As you know, for almost five years, my sons and I have been producing a video series sharing the stories of upland hunting with Sweet Lou and Adeline. And we have traveled to many Midwest destinations, and last year, Ireland, chasing not only the birds, but the stories of the people, places, in many cases, their gun dogs. Our guest on the podcast is Chewy Garcia. Chewy's an avid upland hunter, as well as an English setter breeder, and we're going to cover some topics about establishing a breeding program and his love of the Llewellyn line of English setters. Chewy, thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, we want to get into a little bit of background about how you and I know each other. And, um, um, you know, a lot of our listeners are, are familiar with our video series, uh, Setter Tales. And, and yeah. uh, I've met a lot of people through that. Uh, through that show that have reached out to me, you know, on Facebook and online and that kind of thing. And if I remember, that's kind of how we kind of got familiar with each other. We kind of started sharing some setter uh, photos and and uh, yeah. kind of some hunting things, and it kind of went from there. Yeah, I think a, a big thing was when I was asking you about uh, what feed you've been using, you know. Oh, that's true, uh, yeah. yeah. Kinetic, yeah, yeah. Cause we're we're looking to change, find something different, but yeah. Now, uh, you're down there in Fort Madison, and you uh, tell us a little bit about the business, the business that you're running down there. Well, we uh right in the southeast corner of Iowa here in Fort Madison, and uh, probably since uh, 2013, uh, we've been uh, breeding our setters, uh, and it all started with we needed more pups for, the, for guidance, and uh, we just kept a couple back, and then they just kind of taken off from there. Uh, family is a big part of it. Um, we started with uh, four setters. We had uh, Jack, Jeff, um, Powell, and Jewel. And then right now we've we got a team of 10. So, I mean, it, it's a, it's growing, uh, growing in the right direction, staying busy with the guiding and uh, having a ball with it. Now, uh, is is that something you did? Did you, did you grow up around gun dogs and, and hunting, or how did that start for you? You know, um, you know, my, my dad, he'd take us out all about every other weekend. We'd go out pheasant hunting and, uh, he had Brittany that, uh, we hunted behind and then, uh, we'd go out occasionally, uh, with my uncles and their Brittany. And then when I was 16, I got my first English pointer, um, and started getting into the, just a little bit more there, but just kind of like a weekend warrior kind of deal. Um, and, uh, I think I was probably 19 when I hunted behind my first setter, and uh, that's when uh, I got I got hooked right then and there. You know, um, just kind of knew that was the breed for me. Yeah, you know, um, what do you remember about that dog? I just remember it just looked so graceful out there in the grass. You know, the, the tail when it was on point. Just remember it just looked so stylish to me, so beautiful, classy. You know. And uh, just the way they moved, a um, uh, big thing that caught my attention is they come back to you to check in, and whether it was coming up and nudging you or just doing a drive-by, it's just it's something that really intrigued me with them. And that kind of that kind of took it off from there. It did, yeah. Uh, shortly after that, it was, uh, the same pup that got me hooked. I got a female out of him. Uh, that was probably in 2002, somewhere around then. Uh, her name was Sis. 
and uh, she was an orange and white girl. Uh, was in love with her. You know, we did everything together. Uh, we started hunting more. Um, just kind of, we lived in Iowa City at the time, so there was all kinds of public area up there. Just go and roam around. Um, and she was probably four, four years old. Uh, got, I was working construction at the time, and the need and demand was to get me back on the road. So I was on the road working and just felt bad for her. And about a year of that, we uh, found a real nice home for for a, with an old gentleman that just hunted preserves every day, just about. So, yeah, it was, ended up a good deal, but uh miss her till this day. And, um, you know, obviously you've uh, you've been through a few dogs in the meantime, and I've uh, had the privilege of hunting over some of your dogs uh, just recently. I found, you know, this season, I'm, uh, you've started guiding down at, at Highland in Riverside, Iowa, which is where we do some guiding too. And, um, um, you know, being the old guy that I am and having a few knee, knee issues, I haven't uh, been guiding as much here recently, but... Uh, you at least have been able to fly the setter flag in my absence. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> we have. Uh, we've been flying it strong. Uh, it's a, we're the the black sheet of the, the family, you could say. You know, but it's going good. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's nice to see, uh, and that's the fun part. It's nice to have uh, different breeds of of gun dogs for clients to be able to hunt over. You know, regardless, and so it's kind of. I know there's some visualists down there, I believe now, uh, off and on as well as setters. So that's kind of, kind of neat. Um, didn't, it wasn't always like that. I was kind of mm-hmm. the odd man out there for a long, long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, that's, uh, it's great. Uh, it's, uh, lots of fun. It's a great place to hunt. I want to get a little more into your, your, you know, your breeding program. And, and I know that, um, uh, kind of like we did, you know, you get those, those, those particular dogs and you decide to have a litter uh but there's mm-hmm. a lot of research and there's a lot of work that goes into that and i know that you've really taken that on uh to kind of become really to have some expertise in that area right yeah a little bit well enough to get us by you could say or enough to get us in trouble yeah there you go um yeah you know so i mean for people out there that don't really know what it takes to you know goes into just breeding a couple good hunting dogs what are some of the things that you look for um, when you're trying to put a couple dogs together, I mean, is, uh, do you do the genetic thing? Or are you looking at, at, uh, you know, the, the medical side of, of, of the history of the dogs? Uh, what, just go into that a little bit for us. Yeah. So, uh, we are in the genetic, um, we, uh, been using Embark. We, uh, send a DNA sample to them and they get, uh, put it in the lab and what it does, it gives us a, or, uh, POI of the pup. So uh, this day and age, uh, and everyone knows the gene pool of the Llewellyn are just so uh, so small out there. You know, there's not very much blood. Um, so it puts it together, and they can match up our breeding with it. So we're trying to keep it as low as we can with it. And things like this day and age, the average is roughly about 20, you know, uh, percent. Um, so when they test when they test a dog genetically, like you're mentioning, then they can tell that this particular dog has twenty uh, percent or so of that Llewellyn kind of line in its uh, in its breeding. Is that what is that what you mean by that? Yep, yep, and that's going over the whole history of the pup. You know, that's not just looking at the past few pedigrees. 
on paper. I mean, that's actually the the, the DNA of that dog with it. So if, if you're looking at bringing an outside dog into your kennel uh, for breeding purposes, those are kind of some of that data that you look at uh, yeah. to decide whether that's the not only the dog itself and its confirmation and, and its skill set, but you're also looking at that genetic history. Yep, first thing we do is uh, we'll send a swab out to Embark, and they're also testing for diseases too. You know, there's 200,000 that they're testing for. Um, and seeing if there's any markers. So, like, if you got a carrier, we try to match them up with a, a clear pup, you know, and uh, trying to keep that COI as well as we can with it as well. So, yeah, first thing we do is we, we get the DNA test and send it out, and uh, we have them kind of start matching up breeding after about six weeks. Uh, they can kind of send us a, a form and uh, predict on where the breedings are going to be on the future of uh if we end up using them and then you can um and then you can match a certain uh sire to a certain dam depending on those characteristics and what you want to strengthen or what you're looking to bring out in that particular litter of puppies perhaps yep so yeah we're looking at that and we're looking at the strength in the field uh the natural ability you know what's it what's it lacking a little bit um what what it could use some help on and uh personality wise you know on uh, what's going to mix the, the best. Okay. Well, like I said, it's, uh, you know, you know, people see uh, that you have puppies and sometimes uh, they don't um, understand all that. And I don't either. Yeah. It's something that I've learned a lot about and uh, since we've had our setters. But that's yeah, the interesting it's, uh, side of it. You know, we do the, we have uh, certified our dog's hips in the past and gone through that process. Uh, we sure. do, we haven't done any of the genetic things, but uh, uh, that's all things that have kind of come come around in the last recent, I'd say, last ten years, probably. Yeah, yeah, um, and I think we've been in it probably the last three years. Um, it started off with a really good friend of mine, uh, Kyle Warren. You know, he's the one that got us involved with it, and uh, it's just it's, it's been a great tool to have. You know, it kind of helps you see everything see the future you know we got breedings planned out oh 15 years out from now on uh mix matching who would work best you know and granted see how it goes in the field and how the pups are too but um yeah got a good future planned ahead good well yeah it takes a lot of um uh, to keep that certain line and to do that that's uh that's pretty interesting, and I, I wanted to talk to you about some of that because we've spoke about that before in the field when we've hunted, you know, briefly talking about uh, genetics yeah. and that kind of thing because we've had a couple dogs that we've been trying to breed here recently, and, uh, uh, mm-hmm. and you know, sometimes it's, um, uh, as you know, sometimes it works and sometimes it, it doesn't when you're trying to get a couple certain dogs together for whatever reason. Nature is nature, but um, so we've recently tried to breed Darby and and didn't get it done for whatever reason and so you know but you try yeah. again and uh but we're not you know producing a lot of litters we're just having a litter now and then when you know when we need a dog or we get uh some clients that uh, have expressed an interest in in some puppies and that kind of thing and because of the video series obviously we get a lot of people asking about about uh, uh puppies but they're a lot of work sure. as you know yeah, they, they really are. <laughs> they're fun, but they're a lot of work. <laughs> Puppies are great, but uh, 
Um, so we're getting into some guiding stuff. And so you, that's really kind of your, it's kind of your test track for your dogs, right? I mean, you know, when you get them out there on the, do, to do the preserve stuff is that's really how you're, I mean, you, you do your personal hunting, hunting too, but yeah. the guiding just offers a lot of opportunity for you to put those dogs on, uh, tons yeah. of birds that you wouldn't get to do otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it gets, gets birds in front of their face and their noses and uh you know if they're a highland it's a it's a hunt you know it's not like a, your normal uh, uh hunt club you know it's a it's a good hunt for your well, dog yeah explain the difference and what you found the difference yeah. to be um the the birds are very uh they seem wild to me you know um it's one of the hot clubs that i've been at that it's a it's a wild bird hunt you know they're they're running and the dog's got to put a track on them. Um, as you experience, your dogs can't pressure them at all, or they're gone. And uh, and that's no good when you got clients there, you know. So yeah, it's a it puts a pretty good hunt for your dogs, you know, everyone. And you know, it's uh, it's, you know, for me personally, I like it in the sense that I like to be challenged as a as a handler and as a guide. Mm-hmm. And uh, but you know, you got some days the birds beat you, and I've had a I've had my share of those those days over the, the last 10 years, but, um, yeah. you know, the dogs are doing their, their best, but because of either the sending conditions and the wind or the weather and other factors, um, you know, some days are tougher than others, but, uh, but usually these dogs, um, and their experience, especially the ones that are experienced, uh, find a way to, uh, to get the birds and, uh, uh, get them in hunting or get them in, in shooting range most of the time. But, uh, yeah, it is a little different. I've done some of the, uh, you know, the dizzied birds, and that's just a whole kind of a different different world. There's nothing wrong with that. It certainly has its place. But um, but I I would rather be kind of challenged. And I think Ryan's done that down at Highland where he's got that whole operation as close as you can get to uh, simulating what a wild bird hunt would be like. Um, oh, very days. much so. And yeah. so that's uh-huh. kind of the fun side of it. One thing I do notice different down there with his birds is, uh, you know, he's put a lot of work into it, and you can tell his birds when they get up in the air, they get up 20 feet and then they're gone. It's not just like your typical preserve where they're up five, 10 feet above the grass. You know, they're up and gone. Yeah. Yeah, not that many low flyers that uh, can mm-hmm. cause. Uh, so I've been on those preserves where the birds just didn't. If they flew, they didn't get, you know, they didn't get five five feet off the ground, and that always is a can be a safety issue too so but yeah very much so yeah so uh you and i have hunted a few times yeah <laughs> and yeah uh, yeah you Not know it's, it well it's always fun to uh i enjoy watching other dogs hunt you know regardless of whether they're english setters or not obviously i i, I just like sure. to watch somebody's dogs and uh hunt and um you know sometimes we have client dogs some clients bring their dogs along and uh, we have them out in the field, but uh, I just like to, you know, check out how different dogs hunt and try to, you know, you, you always can pick up and learn something, you know, from everybody. And so it was, uh, it was really a treat to get out there and, and be able to, uh, hunt over your dogs, uh, the last couple of times that we have. Yeah, it's been good. Dogs work great together. Yeah. 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 Um, so what's your preference, a high tail or a horizontal tail, or do you have a preference? I don't have a preference. You know, um, as you know, like some of my dogs be laying on the ground. It just all depends how they hit the scent, you know. And that's what that's what I love about them. 
you know, the setters and the line that we have is uh, every point's different. You know, you never know. One point they could have a high tail, the next point they could be on the ground. You just never know. Um, it just uh, tells a story. It seems like every point they got. It's just a, yeah, really and I know, a, and I know with mine, it's uh, it's kind of you learn to read the the dog and and yeah. uh, the staunchness of the dog, and you can kind of learn, okay, you know, the dog, the bird's running by how the dog's reacting, and and uh, mm-hmm. the staunchness of whether it's a it's a it's an honor versus the dog actually has the bird and those kinds of things, and that's what's fun for me, and. Uh, yep. And then to, to hunt with somebody else's dogs like yours and just try to see how that translates into into your line of dogs is just fun, I think. And uh, and uh, like I said, I've got – you've hunted with a little duchess, our little female. And as you know, she's a mm-hmm. 12 o'clock straight up tail uh, most days. Yep. And then Adeline, her mother, is more of a rhyming kind of a – oh, she's got a little of a hitch in her tail, but but not much and then major is kind of in between and so you're it's the same thing you kind of get a little a hodgepodge of uh of, of everything so um but um as long as the nose works I, that makes me happy for the most part and so yeah that's yeah. the important part <laughs> now um what uh you said your dad had Brittany's when you were growing up uh did you were you able to convert him over to english setters or is that still is that was did he continue to be a Brittany guy to the end? Oh, I think yeah. So he does. He hasn't had a pup for a few years now, you know. Um, but I think his next pup's probably going to be a cash setter. There you go. There so, you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I said, you know our story where you know I wasn't looking for a setter and it just kind of ended up in my driveway one day. And uh, but um, after after hunting them a few times, I I got hooked really really quick, as you mentioned with. Uh, the style of them and how, you know, their, uh, the pace of the hunt and just uh, that type of thing. It, it, uh, and I noticed that with a lot of clients too, that haven't hunted setters before. That's the kind of the interesting thing down in Highland is we get, as you know, clients that come in there from all over the country and, mm-hmm. um, and depending on what part of the country they come from, they may be more familiar with setters than, than others. And I always found that to be kind of interesting you know, the guys that come from Michigan and kind of up in the uh, Northeast uh, have been around a lot of setters. And then the ones that maybe are more in the Midwest and out in the Southwest are more uh, around German shorthairs and pointers and that kind of thing. So it's kind of interesting. And they always, a lot of them will say the same thing. They just thought the dogs uh, handle themselves with, uh, with a lot of grace and they get a lot of pleasure just watching the style of the, of those dogs. Yep. And so it's kind of fun, but, um, so what is your favorite, everybody has a favorite dog story and I'm sure you have one. Uh, what's, what one sticks in your mind? Do you have a, uh, you know, favorite dog, a first dog, uh, story that happened last week? Um, yeah. what's, what, so, what comes to mind if um, somebody says what, what, what's happened? What's a good gun dog story that you, that you remember or comes to mind? So, uh, this dog wasn't mine, but he was the sire of my two uh, my two first Llewellyn. Actually, the the boy that got me involved in Llewellyn, um, his name was Tuck. And oh, probably four years ago, we went up and uh, I think he was 13 years old, and we were hunting Huns and uh, shark tails. Well, I had my crew, and we left them in the truck. We were giving them a break. We we're gonna it was our last hunt in North Dakota, then we were gonna move on to Wyoming. So uh, we had old Tuck out there, you know, 
and we're working the the grass out there and all of a sudden I hear uh cuts on point and before you knew it there's a uh shark tail flying Mach one right at me, you know. Shoot it, drill it, lands about right in my feet, you know. Uh it's probably a hunt that I'll always remember because it was the last bird I ever shot over him. Um yeah, and he's the pup that got it started for me. And uh I believe he lived on to fifteen years old. Wow. He did a couple of years, yeah. He's a he was a go getter. Uh, and I haven't a, I haven't ever taken on the sharp tails. I've kind of liked to have, to do that. It's kind of be on the bucket list. But um, um, I've had some some opportunities to go out west and and get into some of those. I just about the farthest west I've gotten is South Dakota into some pheasants. But um, um, I know that that can be uh, that that I know a lot of guys that get hooked on that too on that type of bird hunting. Oh, it's uh yeah, it's great. You know, I got a, a great friend that owns tuck. You know, uh, he lives out there in Dakota, so we, uh, we get out there as much as we can. Uh, not enough, you know, but yeah, have a great time. Now, when did you kind of, uh, it sounds like you kind of, you grew up pheasant hunting for the most part, maybe quail hunting. Yeah. Yep. Now, when did you get a chance to, uh, get into that grouse hunting? Cause I know you're pretty heavy into that now. Yeah. So, um, it was probably maybe maybe six years ago, something like that. Uh, we had Jackman, you know. Um, he was he was up going strong, and uh, I got invited to go out to Montana, and we were hunting rust and blues out that way, and uh, looking for a spruce as well, and it just kind of got me hooked, you know. Um, the the mountain swell out that way is a lot different than like your your UT rough route. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they get very many, much people contact out that way, you know, because they're just kind of looking at you on the road. The dogs are locked up. You go to flush them, and they go up in the tree, and then uh, you got to flush them again out of the tree for the shot. But um, some some of them were a challenge, but uh, uh, it seemed like it was first contact with humans, so they were kind of nosy about us as well. You just recently, you just recently had a litter of puppies, right? Yep, yep, they're uh, probably I, making noises. Yeah, I can hear yeah, in the I, background. Yeah, our microphone yep. is picking that up. We can hear that. Sounds like they're hungry. Yeah, they're uh, <laughs> trying to find mom. My mom was getting something to drink right now. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I'm Like I said, I've never had a chance to grouse hunt. Um, I mean, I, I've had some chances to, just never got an opportunity to get up there and do it. And uh, it looks like it'd be uh, a lot of fun to give it a try. Maybe we'll get a chance to do that. Um, down the road and it'll be interesting oh, yeah. to see um you know whether i mean my experience has been that most of these dogs adjust pretty quickly to it okay it's a grouse and i've never been on a grouse but but they yeah. they quickly adjust to hunting that particular species of birds as well as the other ones yeah i you know I, I, they adjust really well um we had one week we were out in wyoming you know, out there, you're, it's just millions of acres, right? So the dogs are out ranging a couple hundred yards, 300 yards when we were sage grouse hunting out there. And then uh, a week later, two weeks later, we meet up with a real good friend up in the UP there in northern Michigan. And uh, you want your dogs close there. So I was a little unsure how they adjust, but, you know, they adjusted to 50 yards. Did real well. Because that's pretty much real thick, uh, timbered, wooded kind of cover. 
uh, yeah, up there in the yep, UP, right? I've had some guys. I had a guy uh, we did a podcast with uh, uh, Scotty Leach over in uh, Ohio, and he was he goes up there I think every year, and he was talking about, um, you know that you got to be quack. You got to react quick to the, to the flush or you, you, you may yeah. not even see the bird when they get up. And so I don't know if I could handle that anymore, but <laughs> it, it, it takes me about a day to get caught up to them. Yeah. yeah. It, seems, it seems like, yeah. Well, you've seen me shoot, so I probably wouldn't have much of a chance. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. You'd be getting them 80 yards out, right? Um, you and I got out and did a little hunting. Uh, oh gosh, what has it been a couple weeks ago? Three weeks ago? Yeah. Yep. This was right before Christmas, wasn't it? I think it was. Yeah. 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 And I I put some stuff on our Facebook page about it because I'm kind of a sentimental guy. And, you know, I'm, and where I'm at now and the number of years I've hunted, I've got some old guns that kind of were family guns. And so um, that particular day, um, for whatever reason, I decided to take my granddad's old A5, Browning A5, and uh, it hadn't been shot uh, for the longest time. And, um, but it just, uh, felt good to, to carry it. I kind of had forgotten how heavy it was versus that lightweight ultralight Benelli, <laughs> but, um, but, uh, it was kind of fun to, to, to take it just kind of what I called the memory hunt, you know, to try to take a gun that you remember as a kid, your grandfather, or your dad carrying, and that was that particular gun. And, and as you know, my challenge was, I think I told you that day, hey, I'd, this is my granddad's gun. I'm sure I'm going to try to get a bird with it. I don't know how much luck I'm going to have. But, uh, um, but yeah, I think uh, I think uh, shortly right out of the shoot, I think I got an opportunity to uh, shoot a rooster with it, and I was pretty happy about that. And then later on, uh, uh, a bird kind of, we got in a food plot. Uh, for those of you who hadn't hunted at Highland, uh, the Highland is laid out in all kinds of different cover, but they also have some food plots in different places to um, um, draw the birds in and uh, provide them a food source and that kind of thing. And so a lot of times that's where a lot of the birds congregate. And this particular day we ended up in a, towards the end of the hunt, ended up in a food plot and we just, we hit the mother load of birds if it was unbelievable. And, um, uh, Chewy was doing most of the hunting, but or shooting, but uh, um, uh, the dogs were doing a nice job working ahead of us and um, putting down lots of points. But gosh, I don't remember how many birds you think boiled out of that little food plot. It had to be over <laughs> a dozen, I would think, wasn't it? Yeah, there was a bunch, and that, yeah, there was quite a few there. And I was kind of straggling behind because I was kind of my knee was kind of bothering me after a couple hours of that, and so I was just kind of trying to find the easiest path of, of no resistance. And so I'm kind of walking down between a couple rows of of stubble, and and uh, a, a rooster got up behind us. And I don't know if it was just thinking this was probably the last rooster I'll see today. The hunt's about over, and and. Um, I don't know. It seemed like I led him a long way, but uh, had one shot at him, and and much to my surprise, and I think your surprise, that he he fell dead. He fell dead over there. <laughs> yeah, that, it was a hail mary. It really well, was. Well, it was I think I called it skill, but yeah, I think you called it hail mary, and it was, it was, and you know, the only thing that made that possible was that full choke, thirty inch barrel on that old shotgun. I mean, you know, I'm. I don't think anything else would have probably reached out that far than, than that old gun did. But, uh, 
yeah, it was probably more luck than anything else, but I don't know. You know, maybe it was fate. Maybe, you know, maybe granddad was, uh, looking down on us that day. I don't know, but, uh, got the rooster and, and then, you know, the only thing was it was so far over there was finding it, you know, I mean, I knew it, we knew yeah. it went down and it's like, Oh my gosh, you know, we've yeah. got to find this bird. And, and, uh, and you were, you had, you had, you know, for, for those of you that hunt together, sometimes it's always good to have somebody just kind of maintain a line of sight and try to mark that bird and direct you to it. And that's exactly what you were able to do with me is get me on the right track. And, uh, and we found that bird and that was just pretty cool. So, uh, so got a couple pictures of that and that'll be something I, I always remember for a long time. And, you know, so that's one of those memories we talk about that you remember, um, you know, later in your life, a particular bird that got up or a particular dog. And that, and that certainly is one of them. So, uh, but it was also better to have somebody there to, to, to share it with. So I appreciated you, uh, you, uh, I'm not sure I'd have found it on my own if you hadn't been there. So, <laughs> yeah, well, it was a long shot. I, I'm guessing it was close to 60 yards. I mean, it, it was a post. Um, dogs running around there a little bit in front of us working the other birds. So, yeah, I'm glad, it was awesome. I was glad to be there with you, Wade. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think, uh, yeah, I think you were about, like I said, about as stunned as I was, but, uh, that's, you know, that's the one, you know, when we do our video stuff and, you know, something and, and you've done it too. You put the the GoPro camera on the barrel, and that's the kind of that's the kind of shot that you're always hoping that you got. You know, you're ready for is that one. But to have something like that on film, but uh, but that was pretty cool stuff, and that was kind of one of my stories that I'll be able to uh, tell for a while. And yeah, so the gun goes back into the gun case, but you know, it's uh, uh, it was used. Uh, I got to carry it. That was uh, kind of neat. I you know I kind of hope with uh, with the three boys I have someday after I'm gone, you know, they pull my old shotgun out and carry it someday in the field. That'd be pretty neat. So, um, and that's a lot about the Upland community. I think, you know, as well as I do, that's kind of what we try to mentor to a new generation and get them interested in what we're doing, knowing that someday down the road, if we don't, uh, the sport and the, and the gun dogs that we love will be gone and there, you know, there won't be anybody doing this. So, uh, it's always good to see these um, younger people come out and get their first bird and hopefully get hooked on hunting over over gun dogs and uh, and that's uh, what we like to see uh, see happen and so and you're doing a good job with that I know uh, just this season you've had several first rooster um, uh, people down there at Highland so that's uh, that's all yeah it's it a blast it seemed like the first uh, three weeks there it was just all the uh younger kids coming out shooting their first rooster it's great do you ever have do you talk to people do people ask you about i mean uh, in your workplace people that haven't hunted before do they ask you questions about what what's it like to hunt upland birds or how do do you have any of those conversations oh yeah yeah i get asked quite a bit you know um got some friends that they're in the sport you know as far as like uh football uh basketball whatnot you know and they uh they they chat with me quite a bit uh about hunting um show interest you know on uh basically like why i love it why is it my passion you know so yeah absolutely and i know you got a couple boys mm-hmm. and they're yeah. they're still pretty young but obviously uh they're learning the ropes on puppy raising puppies and training i know your i know your oldest boy is out there in the field training using helping you with pigeons and that type of thing and so um yeah that's pretty cool 
yeah, they like the they like the launchers. They do. Um, they use a dock for launchers, so they got the duck calls on them, and uh, they always like to hold the remote for it. So as you're getting ready to walk into the kennel and get the dog out, all you hear is a duck calling out there in the field. But yeah, it's good. Good time. Now, now going forward, obviously you hope to to take this, you know, what you're doing with the puppies and and all of, mm-hmm. all of, all that you learned about you know developing these these future litters and that kind of thing. You're kind of hoping to take that maybe full time if yeah. everything yep, falls absolutely. into place. Yeah, that's uh that's our goal. We want to want to pursue this full time. Absolutely. And so now you've got uh, you've got one litter. Um, You've, you've got a litter that's been whelped, and you may have another litter coming. And are all those puppies spoken for? Yeah. Um, so the litter we got now is actually bigger than what we were expecting. You know, we don't take too many deposits on each litter just to, so we don't have to uh, mail check back or, or something, you know, hopes up with folks. So, uh, yeah, we got most of these pups sold on the litter now. Uh, there might be one or two available, but um, we do got some on the future few uh, deposits on Jess's which will be coming here in a couple of weeks so we're uh, planning on doing an x-ray on her tomorrow and get a puppy count um I usually every now and then I I don't do an x-ray but more and more I like to just so you know what you got going on with them you know um so you kind of get an idea we're gonna have 10 puppies all right it's gonna be a long night so now, how do you decide, forward. okay, say you've got, you know, you obviously have a list of clients, depending on when they sent you a deposit, you know, their actual uh, choice of getting a puppy and, you know, whether they want mm-hmm. a male or a female and that kind of thing. Um, how do you go about kind of like deciding how, uh, what what's the right kind of puppy for a certain client? Do you try to find that dog that's going to be the better fit or do you just simply say, okay, I guess they want a dog that's marked in a certain way in a male or a female, or do you try to, how do you work that? No, we do a lot of it on personality, you know, personality of the home, uh, what the style of the home is going to be, um, the meaning the home and then the field, you know, cause their pup's going to be living with them. Um, and also the personality of the pup, you know, generally they're, they're all fairly consistent. The puppies are, but uh, kind of get one or two that are the, the wild bunch of the group, you know. So we, we try to match them with the, the right home, you know. Um, we started doing that, oh, probably about three years ago. And very upfront, very upfront with people on it, you know. Um, I, I understand you want to pick for color, but we don't do that here. You know, it's uh, we're picking for personality. We want to do what suits you the best. And um, some folks don't like it. I understand, you know. I uh, I get it. I really do. But uh, you're going to be living with this pup 10, 15 years, you know. So it's, uh, we want to make it a happy experience. Now, now most of your puppies going are, are going to be in the house kind of dogs or, or kind of a, yep. is that something That's something that you're looking for and you prioritize? Yep. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And, and we get in depth with questions, you know, um, chatting with the, the homeowners, you know, or the puppy buyers chat with them often uh through text or or phone calls and then uh get a good idea of the puppies on their personality wise and you can kind of see the more laid back ones versus the, the ones that may have a little bit more go and then we uh start talking to the, the puppy clients and say hey this is what we got these two are gonna work for you you know 
as well as uh, maybe somebody that's just going to hunt occasionally as opposed to somebody like me that's going to be using that dog in a guide program and it's going to hunt a lot. Um, mm-hmm. So you're looking for that dog that's got, um, that's going to fit that, my requirement versus somebody maybe that's going to just hunt once in a while and, and yep. is looking yep. more for a companion dog and, but also be hunted. But uh, so you're looking at those personality traits to go that way too. Yep. Absolutely. And, but you say most people, uh, does, you, does it seem like most people understand that and like that, or it just kind of depends on them? Uh, you know, uh, it, they, they're okay with it. You know, they understand it. And after you explain it, because we've had some pups out there that we sent to the home just because they picked on color. Well, in all reality, it's not the best fit for them. You know, they're a little too wild for them. Um, they're not getting the exercise they need or whatnot. Um, or they just need more exercise than others, you know? Um, so yeah, they're, uh, they're, they're okay with it. Well, they do, and that's the, they appreci- that's they the, appreciate it. that's yeah. the biggest thing about having, you know, the puppies we've had is making sure they get in a, in a good home situation. And, uh, we've been very fortunate that, that ours have. And, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, it takes that screening and it takes uh, talking to people and really finding out what they're looking for, you know? And like you said, these dogs are, are meant to hunt, I think. So, uh, they yep. I feel bad if one doesn't get that opportunity sometimes. That's certainly a, something that we prioritize um, is, you know, the person that's going to be hunting the dog versus maybe somebody that's not a hunter. So, but, you know, everybody wants a black and a white or a tricolor or, you know, and mm-hmm. as you said, maybe that tricolor is not going to be the best fit. So, um, yep. so really you kind of, kind of do the selection as opposed to saying, okay, this person has first pick and they're taking this dog and that dog now is taken. And so these are the only ones that are now available. And so, um, which is kind of typical how a lot of breeders do it. Um, I, so yeah, we'll, we'll go on with the selection. Like we got the deposit in first and okay, here's what you got. You got these two pups that are going to work for you. And then uh, just kind of go on down the line. And usually by then, uh, we've chatted enough with the, the clients that they they kind of have an idea what puppy they're going to be getting. Um, we usually like give a couple options just in case. But uh, yeah, very very involved with it. Yeah, you know, there's nothing better than getting. I've seen some of you some of the pictures that you've posted of those dogs that have gone all over the country and now are being successful and they're hunting. Uh, and the families are happy, and the dog's happy, and there's nothing can't be anything better than that. Uh, yeah, knowing that you a, produced a, a, good a great dog that's now you know doing what it was meant to do. What um, now? You've obviously seen my crew, and you've hunted my guys. Obviously, um, you know Sweet Lou's a field bred dog. Um, I've had people ask me if they were Llewellyns, and you know obviously uh, most people don't know the difference or wouldn't know the difference, and without um, kind of knowing that it's a certain line of, of setters that came from uh, many years back that, as, as you mentioned now, is that 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 group is getting smaller and smaller, it sounds like, over time, uh, that pool. Mm-hmm. And so there's, uh, do you see that are, there are less and less of those dogs out there now or um, some of them being crossbred now into field-bred bred lines? Uh, not in the Llewellyn world so much, you know. Every, it's a very pure line, you know. Uh so you get a, you get slapped on the wrist and expose the world if you're doing that sometimes. Yeah. Um, not necessarily a bad thing, you know. It's uh, good for the breed, bring something new in. But uh, 
the Llewellyn folks, they're, they're a peer group. And I know your dogs at Llewellyn seem like they're a little smaller. I mean, and, and maybe not mm-hmm. quite as tall as some of, uh, well, you've seen Major, our dog, you know, he's a kind of a beast, but, um, but the field breads typically are maybe a little bigger, you know, 60 pounds, 50, 58, 60 pounds and stand a little taller. And Llewellyn's are usually a little smaller. So that's kind of how they were bred, you know, um, and is that that pretty typical of of the Llewellyn uh, line? You you got some of them that are out there up there in the the fifty to sixty pound range. Okay. Um, our line that we got going on fifty pounds a big dog for us. Um, our pups are usually between thirty five and forty five pounds, and that's just the the style that we like. Um, and uh, very athletic pups for us. You know, we, we put them put them through a lot of work and. Uh, whether we're traveling out west or whatnot, and it's just something the, the size that we like. And I know you're pretty heavy into the training side of it. Obviously, you've got your own dogs that you train and put a lot of time in. Um, do you do any outside training? Do you bring in any any client dogs or anything from the outside to train? Um, uh, we were, um, and I, I wasn't able to give my dogs the, the time they needed in the field, you know. Um, so we just we got a full time job as well as the, the dog business, you know. So, and, and with the boys and the family stuff going on, we just the uh, last few years, it's just been, we'll take one here or there uh, for a month or so, but uh, we just keep it all in our stock, you know, whatever we're producing. What, uh, what do you kind of have a specialty on the part of the training side that people look to you to kind of be that person uh, uh, with more expertise in a certain side of the training or is um, uh, Probably not. You know, I don't, put a whole lot of videos out there with the dogs you know mm-hmm. um i've had some great training mentors and folks to follow you know some that are close to town with us and some that i can chat on the phone um but uh probably just more on the, the patient side of it you know um i don't do much with e-callers with the dogs and it, it just seems like they respond so much well um to it um just trying to bring out the natural ability with them and fortunate enough with our stock, they got a lot of it, so it's a, it works out pretty well. Well, and that's the thing with setters, too, versus some of the other breeds, is they, they're a little more of a soft dog that you kind of have to take your time and patience with. Um, mm-hmm. You can't force much. You just have to be patient and do it in small small steps. At least that's been my experience. Um, yeah. You know, you can't put a lot of pressure on, and, you know, you can expect to just do sh- short sessions and, and but do them longer probably than maybe some of the other breeds you know and there's nothing you know there's nothing wrong with that but that's just setters i mean setters kind of shut down on you if you push them too far and you learn that you kind of figure well this is going to be a you know a two or three month process before we get to the to where we want to be but that's just when it comes to force breaking dogs or doing any of that kind of stuff it's just kind of a there's kind of a setter style to it and that's just the way it is so uh but yeah, I would never get rich doing it tra- training setters because it takes so long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can you ruin it. Or you can ruin a good thing real quick, you know, um, with them. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can have a, you can you can take that extra, you know, push it that extra few minutes and 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 lose a couple days where you have to go back and start over, you know. So uh, a lot of that yeah. is no, as you know, a lot of that is knowing the dog and the dog's personality too, and. You know, there are some dogs that, you know, are a little more biddable and want to, want to, are easier to train than others. And, and that's mm-hmm. a whole part of that, 
And that training thing is learning what that dog's personality is and how they learn, basically, and at what pace they learn. So it's kind of it's kind of like a teacher in, in grade school. Um, so anyway, it looks like some exciting things are happening for you with the puppies and uh, and the guiding stuff that you're doing. And we really appreciate uh, you taking the time to come on and chat with us. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you having me. For people that are interested in Cassius Setters, how do they find you down there in Fort Madison? You've got a website. What's, what, what's your web address? Yeah, it's uh, Um or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram. There you go. You're out there uh, doing some good stuff, and so anybody that's interested in some Llewellyn nice Llewellyn uh, dogs, uh, check out uh, Cassius Setters down there in Fort Madison.